In Jesus' name, amen. We live, you and I do, in a world full of qualifications and requirements. Uh, There's a qualification, a requirement to do just about anything, to be uh, just about anything. It's just kind of the way our world works. Uh, For example, uh, when you are in school, there are tons of qualifications, aren't there? Uh, you get grades and tests just for that purpose, to see if you qualify to, to move upward and onward. There are uh, big tests when you're in high school, like the ACT or the SAT, to see if you qualify for college. Uh, then, once you graduate from school and leave it behind, there are all sorts of qualifications when it comes to our careers and jobs. You, you might need a, a certain degree or a certain number of years of experience or, or a certain set of skills to qualify for a particular job. And then once you have the job, of course, there are all sorts of qualifications and, and requirements, things you have to do, quotas you have to meet, continuing education you have to take. Uh, it's this way for any of us to leave here today and, and head home. You, you need a driver's license and there are qualifications for that too. You have to pass a test and then you have to maintain a, a certain level of driving. You get too many tickets and you will very quickly be disqualified from, from driving. Uh, it's this way even to be a parent. Uh, parents, maybe you, you don't think of it this way, that there are qualifications to be your mom or dad because there's not exactly a test you take. Uh, but think about it this way, there are certainly things you can do as a parent that will disqualify you from being a mom or dad. Certain things, if you were to do them, that DCFS would come knocking on your door and taking those kids away. For, for just about every aspect of life, there is some sort of qualification, some sort of requirement or condition that we have to meet. And because that's the way we live in, that's just the way things work, uh, it's, it's the way we're wired to live and conditioned to live in, in so many ways. Uh, I, I don't think it's an uncommon question because of that. I, I don't think it's a bad question, and maybe even it's a good question to ask ourselves sometimes, well, in light of the way that everything seems to be working, what are the qualifications for me to be a Christian? You know, what qualifies me to be a son or daughter of my Heavenly Father? What are the qualifications I need to follow to have His love? And maybe you've wondered that. Maybe you've asked yourself. Maybe you know the correct answer, which I hope we all do, and, and that is that there is no qualification to God's love, Right? God's world, his kingdom, works so differently than the rest of our world. His love is, is unqualified. There's, there's no strings attached to it. But because God's love works so differently from everything else in our world, from, from every way that we've been used to living, we need to continue to remind ourselves and each other about that amazing love. It's not one of these lessons you hear that, that God loves me no matter what, that you can just hear once and put in your pocket and be done with right? Because, because every aspect of our life works so differently, we need to keep on hearing over and over and over again that there is nothing we can do to qualify ourselves for God's love. And, and alternatively, there's nothing we can do to disqualify ourselves from it because that's not how it works. There are no requirements. God's love is 100% pure gift. Uh, we need to hear that lesson. But so did both of the the brothers, the two sons in our reading for today from Luke 15. Uh, It's the story, it's been come to be known, you probably know it as the story of the prodigal son, but there are two sons 
in the story. And, and the truth is, while they end up in different places, each of them has the same worldview, same understanding of how their father's love works. They assume, each of them, that they must qualify themselves to have it, to earn it. They think it's something to be deserved. Uh, the, the first son, though, assumes, after some time, that he has disqualified himself from it. The younger son, I mean, the, the prodigal son. After wishing and wanting his own dad to be dead so he could collect his money, after asking for his inheritance, and then to me, the most amazing part of the story, receiving that inheritance, his, his dad actually gives him half of his wealth and sends him on his way. And then after wasting all of that generosity on wild living, and I'll let your mind fill in the blanks on what kind of things he spent his money on, but we know it wasn't God-pleasing. And then after coming to a point where he has nothing left, and as a good Jewish boy, he's, he's cleaning up the, the mess of, of pigs, uh, this son finally realizes that he is hopeless and helpless. And, and there's one thing that he is sure of, though, in his heart of hearts, and that is that he has totally and utterly disqualified himself from his father's love. He knows that there's no way he can go back home and expect to be loved and accepted again. He hopes, though, that maybe he can go back and ask for a job. And so that's what he works himself up to do. I'm sure it wasn't an easy decision to make after how he had treated his dad, but he finally comes to a place where he tells himself, okay, I will never be loved again. I will never be a part of the family. I do not deserve it. I haven't qualified for it, but maybe I can come back as a servant or a slave, and at least then I'll have a, a roof over my head and, and some food to eat. He assumed after some time that he had been disqualified because he assumed that God's love works the way that the rest of the world works, that it is something that you have to earn or deserve, but it's not. Uh, the other son, the, the older son, he assumed the same thing. He assumed that God's or his father's love was, was something to be earned or deserved, and except the only difference with him is that he thought he had qualified for it. <laughs> he thought that he did deserve it, that he had earned it. He thought he had crossed every T and dotted every I. He, he, had, he had jumped every time his father said so. He said, how high, dad? He had done everything his dad had told him to, and he assumed that if anyone deserved to be a part of that family, if, if anyone deserved to be a beloved son, it was him. But the lesson that both sons need to learn and that we need to learn is that that's not how our father's love works. One of the things that I love about this story is that uh, depending on the moment of the day, and maybe you feel this way too in your own life, depending on what moment I find myself in, on any particular day, in on any particular moment, I can see myself in either brother, right? And maybe you feel this way too. There are some days that I look at my life and I realize that maybe on that moment or that day, I've been awfully greedy, materialistic, self-centered in all the worst ways. Maybe I've I've done something that I feel is unchristian or unpastoral, and I assume that, that God must be so upset with me that, that there's no way he could love me, that, that he feels so distant and, and cold that he must have turned his back on me. How could he, how could he love me or want to be around me uh, after what I've done and, and where I've been? And then there are other moments, sometimes even of the same day, and maybe you're like me, in that way too, that I, I feel awfully good about myself. <laughs> I wake up and I, I say my prayers and I read the Bible. I, I lead a worship service or, or perform a funeral. I, I do something that I feel is very Christian and very pastoral. And then I assume, wow, God must be really happy with me today. <laughs> he must really love me right now because, 
Because how, how could he not? I've, I've earned it. I've done all the right things. But again, today we learn that that's just not how God works. That's how the world works, but God's love is, is totally unqualified. There are no strings attached. It is a love that on the one hand shocks the younger son, the prodigal son, in all of the best of ways. He can't believe that his father would love him after everything he did. And on the other hand, it's a love that appalls and disgusts the older son. It seems like too much that the father has gone too far, but, but that's the kind of love that our God has for us. It's a sho- shocking sometimes, it's appalling other times, but, but in so many ways it is a most prodigal of loves. Uh, the, the story, is, as I've already referred to, is often called the story of the prodigal son. But do you know what prodigal means? Uh, it, it means to be profusely, abundantly, extravagantly, lavishly, luxuriously, bordering on wastefully generous. <laughs> and you tell me who in the story that sounds like. To me, it sounds like the father whose own son wished him dead, a father whose son then wasted his generosity on all sorts of sinful living, uh, a, a son who had turned his back completely on his dad, and yet a father who then welcomes that son back in, who puts a ring on his finger to, to mark him as one of the family, who puts a cloak on his shoulders as, as a sign of honor and, and respect, uh, who puts sandals on his feet to say, no, 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 you're not like the slaves and the servants who walk around barefoot. You're, you're one of us again. And then who kills the fattened calf and throws a party. That's a, a father who shows a, a profusely, abundantly, extravagantly, lavishly, luxuriously bordering on wastefully love for his son. See, brothers and sisters, that's the love that you and I have from God. A love that you cannot qualify for no matter how hard you try and a love that that there is nothing you can do to disqualify yourself from either. And, And to be quite honest, there are two groups of people in our world today who I believe need to hear about that kind of amazing, unqualified love. And and the first group of people who need to hear about it is people like us. Christians need over and over, constantly, consistently to hear about that love. That's why we're gathered here together today because it's a lesson, again, that you don't just hear once and put away. You don't graduate from it. You never move on to to bigger and better truths. (laughs) We need to hear it. But But the other group that needs to hear it is everyone outside of these walls, everyone out there in the world, uh, your own neighbors, your your own family members, uh, the the people you see in coffee shops and, and at the dry cleaner, right? There are so many people out there who have never heard about this prodigal, unqualified, no strings attached love or they've heard some twisted version of it. So we need to hear it, but so does the world. Uh, I, I'd like to finish my time with you if you'll allow me to have a brief but honest conversation with you. Can we do that today? I see a few heads nodding. Some of you are like, uh-oh. Uh, I, I, I don't say that to scare you or, or to, to present a, a doom and gloom picture. Uh, but, but to be honest, uh, I, I say all that uh, to have this honest conversation with you. A, as a church here at Living Christ, uh, we have our challenges, don't we? Uh, every church does. Every church has their, their challenges. And to be very honest with you, I would rather have our challenges than the challenges I see and that you all see in, in so many 
uh, other churches. But to be honest and blunt, I, I believe our challenge is that for those of you who have been here for some time, as, as we look around ourselves in the pews, uh, there are a lot less people here today than there were 10, 20, 30 years ago. Uh, and that's not a bad thing, but it is uh, a challenge for us. And the other challenge is, as we look around, each of us here today is a little bit older than we were 10, 20, 30 years ago. And that's not a bad thing, but it does present some some challenges of its own, too. Again, I say that not to scare you, but to say that if we are going to keep meeting together around that prodigal love 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, if we want to be here 10, 20, 30 years from now so that we can witness to that prodigal love to all of those people in our neighborhoods and coffee shops and dry cleaners and families 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, well, then maybe in the days ahead, some things might have to change. I know many of us have had conversations and and meetings about this, and and I think all of us would long uh, to see more people here and to see our influence spread further. So in some ways, I I don't believe I'm saying anything new to any of you or or something that you haven't recognized maybe before. But I want to say in the days ahead, I look forward as your pastor to, to confronting some of those challenges we face. And I say that also to say that in the days ahead, we we might have to try some things that seem outlandish, uh, some things uh, that might seem bordering on on foolish, extravagant, uh, too abundant, maybe even bordering on uh, wasteful, as we see in the story today. But we're going to have to try some things. We're going to have to work hard and, and be creative. And some of those things will work that we try in the days ahead so that we conti- can continue to meet here and we can continue to witness to God's love. But to be quite honest with you, many of those things might fail. <laughs> but we're going to do them. We're going to work hard. We're going to be creative and we're going to take risks and we might even change as, as uneasy and as uncomfortable as that makes us feel. But, but I, as your pastor, approach that task with joy and confidence and I hope that you do too. Because, because while we change and adapt and while we take risks and do some abundantly, extravagantly, lavishly, luxuriously, seemingly foolish things for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of that love, And and while some things will work and some things will fail, we are going to do it because we are sure of one thing that will never, ever change. And that's the love we read about today. No matter where we end up, no matter how many more years God has in store for us, and I believe, and I think we all hope that that will be a very long time, but no matter what we do and no matter what we succeed at or what we fail at, we are sure and confident and bold that we will be loved no matter what. And so as your pastor, I look forward to continuing to gather together around that love and continuing with you to think creatively about ways that we can share that love with the world. Would you bow your heads and pray with me about that? Almighty God, Heavenly Father, you have shown us today a truly unheard of love. Lord, you do not work according to the ways of this world. You don't ask anything of us. You you don't come to us with a list of qualifications or requirements. No, Lord, you simply accept us on faith alone. You, You welcome us in as your children and you love us no matter what. 
Lord, may we continue to gather together around that love. May we continue to celebrate it, remember it, teach it, and proclaim it. Lord, may we be a witness to it in our communities and neighborhoods and families. Lord, it is that love that defines us as a church. And in the days ahead, may we think with wisdom and knowledge and creativity on how we might share that love with the world. Lord, give us faith and boldness to be your church. May we never shrink back from the task you have before us. Lord, no matter what you have in store for us, may we trust in that love and that there is nothing that we could ever do to qualify it or to disqualify ourselves from your grace. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.